Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, kicks off a new series titled Mistaken Identity. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Campuses, let's give them a big hand. Come on, South Shore and Plant City, give them a big hand. What's up? What's up, you guys? God bless you. God bless you. Those of you who are watching online, uh, next weekend is going to be an important weekend in the life of the Crossing Church. There are a ton of things going on in culture, right? Just anybody? Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of things going on in culture, especially this month. We, our guest speaker, Christopher Yuan, is, has, uh, is speaking on sexuality. Holy sexuality has, has made it to five continents. And he's going to be here on Saturday and Sunday. And there's going to be some Q&A times. I want you to see them. Just a quick run through of the lineup. Full slate on Saturday. His testimony, nature or nurture, a lot of that out there. Ordinary parents, extraordinary father, talking about connection with the Lord. Biblical text and hermeneutics. Everybody say hermeneutics. hermeneutics. There you go. Now you're a Bible scholar. All right. He's going to be talking about how the message is broken down coming out of the scripture. Christian response, Q&A, and then the weekend service on Saturday night. Then on Sunday, the weekend service, and then the you on family testimony. You don't want to miss that. And then Q&A again, it's going to be amazing, okay? And so you're going to want to go to the website, you're going to want to sign up and come, and it's going to be life-changing. We really believe that. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. And the series that we're in, Identity Theft, lots of people, including believers, are losing their grip on who they are in Christ. Lots of people, including believers, and including those who love Jesus, know Jesus, have a Bible, or in the Word of God, we're losing our identity in Christ, and it's just so important for us to anchor that in. The thing about identity theft is that you don't know that it's happening, right? Until what you love the most is taken from you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, and we pray that we would hear and see and understand that you would change us from the inside out, move our hearts towards who you are in the word of God, reveal your character to us in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said, amen, amen and amen. How many, of you, uh, how many of you watch some YouTube? Anybody, any YouTubers out there? You watch some YouTube? Good. There's only five of you that'll admit it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's across campuses. I see you. South Shore Plant City. My son was on YouTube the other day, and I walked in, and I said, uh, hey, buddy. I said, what you doing? He loves to watch fishing shows. I, he is just addicted to fishing. And, but you know, on YouTube, they've got little connections so that one video ends, and it takes you to the next video, right? And so then it's the next video, and the next video, and the next video, and the next video. And so he was watching a group of young men. Um, I, I don't think that he's watching anything that has any, any, anything bad in it, except for kind of the kid's attitude sometimes. Anybody know what I mean? And so he's watching a group of five kids and I said, hey buddy, I said, uh, uh, what are these guys like? Now he knows because I'm his dad and I'm always asking him, what, what are the guys like? And he kind of paused for a little bit and looked back at me and he was like, um. And so as a father, that's your first cue. You pause too long. And I, I, he knows that what I'm asking is, what's their attitudes and their beliefs and their actions? He knows that's what I'm asking him. And, and so he said, not that great. And before I said, so you should, he was clicking out of it. <laughs> and, and I was saying, yeah, man. 
Yeah, yeah man, he, he was clicking, clicking out of it because their attitudes about money, about God, about sexuality, about what it means to be in the world, about why we're here, who we are, what we're supposed to be doing and why we're doing those things. There's either a pure love for God or there's some kind of weird thing that comes in and there's just this attraction to things that the world has to offer. Now listen, we're supposed to be in the world, come on somebody, but not of the world. So we're to flow in the stream. I, I, you know, you're supposed to be the best in your class and the brightest and you, uh, God wants you to excel. He wants you to be successful, all those things. But he wants you to do all that in him. Uh, he wants you to do all that in him. You can clap. If you feel like clapping, you can. I'm, woo, early clapping. What I'm describing uh, is that the young men have a worldview. And all of us have a worldview that's operating in the background. We don't know that it's operating, but it is. And so here are just a couple of little paragraphs. A worldview is a framework from which we view reality and make sense of the world. It's any ideology, it's a philosophy, a theology, a movement or a religion that provides an overarching approach to understanding God, the world, and our relation to it in our relation to it. Barna, who's a researcher, a very large researcher in the United States, says this. He says, although most people own a Bible, come on, everybody own a Bible here at the Crossing Church, what's up? If, if you don't, get a journal, get a Bible, get in a life group. We say that all the time. Although most people own a Bible and know some of its content, you can kind of make your way through the Bible. I pray that we're educating ourselves more and more. It really does matter, it really does matter. Uh, the research found that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core uh, biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to challenges and opportunities in life. In other words, we take what happens on Sunday, and, I, and, and really, you know that if you're in the Bible four times a week or more, everybody say four. four. Come on, say four. four. Four or more. at Four times a week, if you're in the Bible and you regularly read the Bible, it's the, there's some magic that happens and, and at one, it, you know, a little bit, at two, a little bit, at three, a little bit, at four, magic. There's four, four times. Four times a week, the, the word starts to sink into you and your worldview starts to be permeated by the word of God. And in other words, you're starting to think more biblically than you're thinking culturally. Four times a week. And so when we think about worldview, I, I, I just wanna, I, I want to give us a worldview. How, how many of you have seen the movie, The Lion King? Yes. Who has everybody seen the movie? If you haven't seen the movie, The Lion King, it's your assignment. Right. Go, go see the movie, The Lion King. Here is, here is a, a worldview that we can all identify with. It's called Hakuna Matata. Yes. Everybody with me? Yes. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Come on, some of you are already starting to sing it. Hakuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. <laughs> Come on, it means no worries. All right, it's all right. Come on, now you got it. Now you're singing it at campuses too. Philosophy, Hakuna Matata. All right, give yourselves a hand. Come on. Those two words will solve all your problems. That's what, the, that's what it says in the movie, right? So how many of you remember living by this worldview? Good, only two of you again here at Tampa. Uh-huh, we're gonna have a talk about honesty after this is over. <laughs> Dramatic shifts are taking place in our culture. Dramatic. 
And I think, I think every preacher in every generation says dramatic things are happening in our culture, but I want to like stand up here and shout, dramatic things are taking place in our culture. Dramatic, life altering, planet shaking things are happening in our culture uh, and, and, and shaping our personal worldview. And we're being shaped by, in every day, in every way, by secularization. And what secularization is, is there's holiness, there's an understanding of righteousness in God, and then secularization means that I'm secular in my worldview. In other words, I adhere to Christianity. I say, you know, I, Jesus is okay with me, but really the way life works comes from a secular point of view. So my worldview is anchored in secularism instead of in biblical culture or biblical foundation. Okay, everybody, everybody with me? There's a flood of media, a flood. There's revisionist interpretations of history and law and politics and science and what about God and what about man? And these things are affecting our thinking and our theology. And if we really don't seek to understand and ask the questions, not just to our sons and daughters, but to ourselves, who are these people that are speaking and what do they believe in the background? What do they believe in the background? Because if we say that they don't have a cultural ideology that's anchored in a worldview, then we don't understand what's taking place in the background. It's the background that really means the most. In other words, what does somebody believe when they're saying and doing whatever they're saying and doing? And if we're not careful, church, it's really easy for Christians to fall into the category of being a cultural Christian instead of a biblical Christian. And it's easy to be taken captive. Here's Colossians 2, 8, taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. It's the words of man, which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. It's really, really easy. You know why? Because the world's philosophy sounds so easy. It really sounds so easy. It sounds so clear. It makes so much sense. And we're trained in it a lot of the time. And I hope to give you some examples in just a minute. So what are we supposed to do with these burning cultural issues, the, the super, the issues that are taking place in our culture right now? And the answer before I give the question is we're to think biblically. Everybody say think. <laughs> biblically. And we're to respond biblically. We're to, we're to think through the grid of our Bible. We're to think and then to act through the grid of our Bible. So a couple of things that are really pretty loaded right now, okay? Is it okay if I talk about loaded things? Is it all right? Yeah. Good. All right. Campuses, are you with me? South Shore, Plant City? I, do you hear them responding over there? Can you hear them? Okay. Other places around the world, you're in your living room. What's up? What's up? Okay. Now, I'm going to mention some things that are loaded, and what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to mention them, and I'm going to move through them at a high level. Here's the reason why. If I, if I went deep into these ideologies, this, this understanding, it would, it would cause us consternation. And, and instead of causing a consternation, I want you, say me, me, I want you to go look. I really, it really matters in this, this time that we're in right now. And so three things that are pretty loaded here, uh, uh, BLM, Black Lives Matter, okay? 2020, we saw all of this take place in 2020 and so many things rose up so quickly. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go look at a link and you're gonna see the link and, and I want you to go check it out, okay? Now, Black Lives Matter, real quick. 
The statement, do we all agree with the statement? Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. The statement. Okay, now, the organization is a different thing. Okay, and I want you to go look at the organization because the organization has its roots in Marxism. The statement, everybody say statement. statement. We all agree with. The movement and the leaders of the movement have a thing that is a worldview that's going on in the background and I want you to go understand what it is. Now they've taken it down, they took down, you know a lot of times when things start happening in the culture, they want us to respond emotionally and not understand or perceive theologically. But theologically is the only way we keep our course when we've got 12 things in front of us. Okay? And so uh, I'm going to mention, I'll mention to you some of the things that are going to be harder to find. One of the defining things in the movement, the organization, is the deconstruction of the nuclear family. So the deconstruction of the nuclear family means moms and dads and sons and daughters. And I think, I think, the, the vast majority of the people that we're talking to today believe in moms and dads and sons and daughters, don't we? Yes. Can I get an amen? Okay. If the nuclear family is destroyed, a society doesn't exist. Okay, so, so let's be careful about what we're, because there's, a, there's things that would say at face value, this is, yes. But then the organization, something didn't run. And the next thing, critical race theory. Critical race theory is, and, and scholars, and this is happening all over our nation, and really it's very surprising the rate at which these things happen, BLM and the, these other things that are happening very, very quick, quickly. It also has its root in Marxism as well, it does. I want you to see a video of a man and his daughter explaining critical race theory, and uh, check it out. Daddy teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you're black or white or any color. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow, yellow. right? Black. And, and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See, this is, how, this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not going to happen. My baby's going to know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard, and she can become that. Work hard even though you don't know anyone. You can make friends. <laughs> yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. <laughs> I think I'm gonna leave it right there. <laughs> Check out First Wednesday, there's a link that's right here. And, and so I wanna put this out there really quickly. And when we come to church and you are going through something that is emotional to you, when we bring it up, it does the, you know, automatically you're saying, ah. but the reason why church is here is to, for us to inspect what's going on in here. There's a reason why we're here, okay? And, and so uh, first Wednesday, Pastor Stephen Robles broke down critical race theory. Just, he did such, come on, get, if you, just uh, such a great job. Great thinker, broke it down, amazing. Go check it out. Uh, LGBTQ, okay? It's Pride Month. We all know that. 
Uh, it, it's, it's, there's no way we can not know that. Okay? Um, thinking biblically about Pride Month, I want you, there's a link I want you to go to. And instead of going through all the things here on a public platform like this, I want you to go and listen and look. 1 Corinthians 13 says, uh, and I want you to consider this, okay? Just a couple of minutes of this. 1 Corinthians 13, love, love, love has these characteristics to it. So, so the message out there is, come on, say the message. Love is, love is love. That, that's the message. Love is patient. The Bible says love is patient and kind and not self-seeking, it's not rude, it doesn't boast, it doesn't brag, it doesn't keep record of wrong, it, but it also doesn't rejoice with what's wrong. That's why if you're a Christian, you can love somebody who's LGBTQ and not go to the, the parade. That's why. Because the Bible says, I love you, I don't necessarily agree with what you're doing. That's what the Bible says. Now, don't we have those situations in our families? Yeah. We do. We do all the time. And so what we got to have a little bit in Christianity, we've got to have a little courage. You guys, we got to have a little courage. we got to have a lot of love. Say a lot of love. And a little bit of courage. You can clap. You can. You can. Come on, clap it up. You can. Okay, so listen. Real quick. If, and, and, and this is a little bit rugged. This example is a little bit rugged, and, and so it's proof that media, 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 if you would have said, if you would have said 50 years ago that we would be having these parades, the whole, the, the vast majority of people said, no way. There's no, there's just no, there's no way. Okay. And so I know that this is a little bit rugged to say this, but what if media got on board and over the next 10 years, just, just, this is rugged. I mean, think, how many of you have, have had difficulty um, and still do have difficulty with drunk drivers? Come on, we have trouble with that, don't we? Okay, but if you spent billions and billions and billions and, right, it's like uh, talking about the creation of man, billions and billions of years. If you, if you had a lot, if you had billions of dollars and about 10 years, we could actually celebrate a drunk driver's parade. We, we could, and we would, because, here's the reason why, because we're not understanding what comes with it, and I'm going to say this quickly, and I'm going to get on, I'm going to get on with it. Here's the reason why. Transgenderism in our nation is doing something to our children, and it's into our public schools, and if I showed you, if I were to show you what transgenderism is doing, presenting with sexuality for third graders in Hillsborough County, you would be so angry we couldn't finish the service. You would be so incensed you could not finish the service, I promise. But I'm, I'm smarter than that, I'm gonna stay in my lane, I'm staying right here, okay? But I wanna tell you the whole, the backstory is a worldview. It does not mean at any rate, at any kind, Take a look to your right and to your left. Just glance, right? Glance right. I'm looking left. Glance right and then glance left. God calls us to love every person in every circumstance of every race, creed, color, and every situation of all time. Always. Okay. But he never asked us not to tell the truth. Never. He can't. 
Here's the reason why. Culture cannot define Christianity. Christianity has to live in the culture, and most of the time, it's countercultural. Culture cannot define you as a believer. If it does, you, you lose your believerness and you end up looking societal. Okay, getting off a soapbox. Freedom, it's easy to, to not think biblically. If we said, what is freedom? We might say something like this. Freedom is being able to do what you want to do without restraint. No restraint whatsoever. And, and then here's this quote. I break away from all conventions that do not lead to my earthly success and happiness. That is actually a satanic quote. It comes from the satanic Bible. When I said that last time, people were like waving at me. No, I want to know. I want you to know my Bible is more powerful than the satanic Bible. Okay. I don't, I don't, you guys, it's very inoften that I pull something like that, but actually Anton LaVey said it who was a leader of a satanic cult. And, and, you know, I don't even know if Anton's around anymore, but I pray he comes to Jesus. True freedom isn't just freedom from something. When we think about from something, we're like, I just want all the constraints off. That's not true freedom. How many of you have kids? You have kids? We have a two-year-old in, in our house right now. My, our kids are living with us for a little while and we're helping them and they're, they're gonna get their house because you can't get a house right now. I just want you to know that. If you're looking for one, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And um, so little guy, most of our freedom isn't just from something, freedom is to someone. Let me say it again. Freedom, true freedom isn't losing all your constraints that's awesome, temporarily. But freedom isn't just that. Freedom is to come into, the, to, into a relationship with God and let his loving arms constrain you some in his love and character. In other words, our little two-year-old, most of our love for him is constraining. We walk around all the time going, no, 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 that doesn't go in your mouth, right? No, 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 don't do that. No, don't touch that. Why? Because that will burn you in a way. I, I, we, want our, we want everybody to go through enough stuff so that they don't have to go through the greater stuff. But the constraining love of God, you see, as human beings, we think, I don't want any constraint. No, no, no. I want constraint. I definitely don't want to live by all of my impulses. That's a bad society. That, that's, that's not a... That's not a biblical way to live. It just, but if we cut that loose and we just, we just say, yes, 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 we end up in a place that's pretty difficult. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve. You're, you'll know it because you're interacting with God. What God's will is, is how many of you believe God's will is good? How many of you believe God's will is perfect? It's good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. God is such a loving father, he does not, he only wants to constrain us to love. He doesn't wanna constrain us. The devil wants us to say, you're gonna miss out. Taste, touch, and smell. God says, taste, touch, and smell, but be aware that I created taste, touch, and smell. I created it. Jesus illustrates his point with a woman at the well. John 4, seven through 12. 
And when he comes to her, he's in Samaria. They encounter one another. And she comes, she's coming for water. And he says to her, draw me some water. And she says, uh, you don't have a bucket or a rope. So she's speaking physically. She's thinking physically. And then Jesus says to her, wait a minute. There's a worldview that's going on in the background. She says, I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman. And they hated each other. And when I say hated each other, I mean loathed one another. They were kind of cousins that split and one group worshiped up here and another worshiped down here. And you could not speak. First of all, you couldn't be a man and speak to a woman. Issues. And you couldn't be a Jew and speak to a Samaritan. You couldn't. So Jesus is breaking every cultural barrier. He's breaking every race barrier. He's breaking every religious barrier. And he says, draw me some water. She says, now the physical stuff. And then he says, if you knew who was sitting here, you would ask me for a drink of water. And so what he was reflecting on is that he is the life-giving water. And he says, and I'll give you water that would flow up from the, your innermost being and water will flow out of you forever. And she says, bring me some of the water so I don't have to come back to this well. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, you don't understand. And so what God is saying to us through the person of Jesus is we are supposed to cut through every barrier, every religion, every creed, every color. Can we celebrate church? Can we celebrate? We're supposed to. Jesus does. In other words, he loves us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to know this. First is vertical love, then there's horizontal love because horizontal love cannot define vertical love. God's love defines horizontal love. Vertical love, being loved by God, then I can rightly love other people. That's why when we're struggling with our marriage, I want you to know if you're struggling horizontally, it's because something's going on vertically. Let me say it again. If you're struggling horizontally, it's always a reflection that something's broken vertically. If you get the vertical, I, I promise you this, if you get the vertical, if you focus on vertical, 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 love, God, understanding, the word of God, you get this down, this stuff smooths itself out. It does. And Jesus says, I want you to love beyond every boundary. I want you to love every person, every single human being. I want you to love them greatly. But then he says to her, I love you so much, I'm not going to leave you where you are. Now listen, how many of you are glad that Jesus loves you enough to not leave you where you were? Holy moly. And he says, to, he says to her, he says, go get your husband. And she says the political thing, she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, no, you don't have a husband, you have five. <laughs> you guys are laughing. If it was personal, you wouldn't be laughing. Jesus loves us so much that he never lets us stay where we are. Because that's what love is. And so he says, you haven't been married to five people. You've been with this man, this man, this man. And so he, he, he says that to her, implies all of this stuff. And then she says this, you must be the Christ. Why? Because you see me right where I am. You didn't reject me. You didn't shun me. You broke through every barrier and you love me enough to tell me the truth. And when you love me enough to tell me the truth, something broke open inside of me and now I understand that you're the living water and I'm sitting with the creator of the universe. 
And all of a sudden I had, she, so the story changes and she gets really happy. Why does she get happy? Because she's been delivered and she's truly free. And now that she's delivered and she's truly free, she can, all she can do is go and tell everybody that Jesus, a man who told me everything about my life, she's not ashamed about her life anymore. All the things, do you know that all the wrong things that God makes right are your testimony? Yeah. It's what God does for you. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes and tells everybody, he knew my business. But he didn't scorn me or shame me, he loved me enough to change my business. The end of that, Chapter in John 4, 23, it says, I'm looking for people who worship me in spirit and in truth. Not just in an emotional thing, but in truth that's anchored in God's character. And I'll end like this, with the, uh, the towering theology of the Lion King. I'll let that settle for just a second. Sometimes we need a little personal worldview adjustment, don't we? Come on, church. You remember Simba's conversation with Rafiki? You know, Rafiki had the staff. And he says to Mufasa, you're not thinking correctly. Basically, it's a summary, and then he went. How many of you remember? That's what the church is for. That's what your dad's for. That's what your mom's for. That's what your friend's for. That's what your brother's for. That's what the word of God's for, is to say, that's not who you are. And I know that you've been living Hakuna Matata. But what I want you to do is I want you to leave here and I want you to go look at your reflection, not as a reflection from the world, because that's a broken reflection. If, if you're going to, I need to be so careful. If you're going to hang with people that have a worldview that don't understand that you're the son or a daughter of a king, you need to go to the pool and see your reflection in light of the king who is your father. Yes. And when you do, your understanding of who you are will change. It's not because you lost it, it's because you found it again. It's not because your identity was something else and you became that. No, you were born. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they've been given the right to become sons and daughters of God. And it matters, it matters what reflection we're looking at because if I'm looking at the world's reflection, I keep saying, this must be me, this must be me, this must be me. And if we start telling our children, this must be you in third grade, they start saying, this must be me, this must be me, this must be me. And I'm telling you, we will dismantle our culture. We will. Here's what I want to say. Here's what the Bible says. You must be his, you must be his, you must be his. You must be his. Look at your reflection. <laughs> You're made in the image of God. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him male and he created him female. Amen. 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 You're a son or a daughter of the king, Romans 8, 12 through 17. Therefore, listen to the scripture real quick. I'm landing the plane. Therefore, I'm landing, I'm kind of landing. We're coming in. You know when you're landing and they say, we're landing, it's another 20 minutes. It's not gonna be another 20 minutes, but I'm coming in. 
Romans 8, 12 through 17. I don't want you to skip this. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature. How, how many of you, don't raise your hands for this one. I want to trick you. <laughs> how many of you would really love to live in the fullness of who God created you to be? Not who you've been trying to be. Not in the props and the, in the fashions of the world, but who God created you to be. To live according to it. We don't, we're, we're not bound by the sinful nature. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And the Holy Spirit, when we're conformed to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings living water kind of life out of us. In other words, I don't have to do... Well, I'll, I'll preach a whole other message. 13. For if you, live, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Now, this promise comes from Genesis. It doesn't mean that we die immediately. It means that we die. Do you know how I know that? Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because I, I lived it for a long time. I, that means I was, I was trying to live, but I was a living dead man. God is saying, go ahead and crucify yourself in Christ. Come on, can I get an amen? amen. Crucify yourself in Christ, and then you get to live every day a free man. A free man or woman. You get to live. For if we live according to it, we die. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit are, are uh, the Spirit of God, are sons of God, sons and daughters. 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That means Daddy, Daddy. For the very first time, our, our little guy, our little grandson, uh, we were down the hall, and I'm called Papa. And uh, he said, he can't say it yet, but he said, pa. And then he rounded the corner and I'm sitting in the chair and he went, pa, and ran, jumped in my lap. I was like, pa, 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 woo, woo. Okay, makes daddy happy to be called pa. And it makes daddy happy to be called Abba, father. Father. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And now if we're children, we're heirs and we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if deed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Lastly, you're created to rule and reign for God. In the good of God. It says to rule and reign in good that means in the personality of God. 2 Timothy 2, 22. Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. I didn't say stupid. The Bible did. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. So listen, I want to finish like this. Don't fight with other people. Come on, church, listen. This is not about being ugly. It's not about being rude. It's about loving greatly and standing in the Lord Jesus. Standing in the Lord Jesus. Don't be resentful. This is what the scripture says. Don't be resentful. Be kind and gracious when you talk. Be as kind and gracious as you can when you communicate and you talk in hopes that the lies... Can everyone agree here that we need the lies of Satan broken? We need the lies of Satan broken. And we need everybody to come into the fullness of the knowledge of God. Years ago, it was Pride Month and I, I was talking. And, and so our commitment of the crossing is to just speak on everything. Our commitment of the crossing, just speak on everything. We speak on everything. Some of you understand the translation. 
everything. We're equal opportunity offenders. I don't want you to, I don't want you to leave any discussion, any talk heavier than you came in. That's a trick. I want you to leave challenged. I want you to leave understanding. I want you to leave wrestling because the spirit of God wants to break out in your life. Years ago, I was talking during Pride Month and uh, I gave the invitation and two ladies at the Tampa campuses, before we had our, our campuses, at the Tampa campus, they stood up, they were together, there were a couple, and when they stood up, they stood up for real. And I mean, they stood up for real. They joined a life group, they were living together, they had a joint bank account, and then they did what is challenging for a lot of us to do. They said, to me, to everybody else, they said, we're gonna, we're gonna separate our bank account, we're gonna work for a little while, we're gonna separate living together, and um, so now I'm talking to everybody. Come on, smile with me. Some of you are like, oh, you're stepping on all my toes now. All the toes I have. They, they did the tough thing. So I'm a separate bank account. We're going to separate living together. They got into a life group. They got their Bibles. A few weeks later, they invited their mom, one of the girl's moms. And right here, kind of at the Tampa campus, they gave the invitation again. And the mom stood up and gave her life to Jesus 30 years in the gay lifestyle. 30 years. And when she gave her life to the Lord, she got a Bible, and I'm telling you, she wore her Bible out. She became the most stalwart Christian almost I have ever seen. She worked, she served, she loved, she gave, she has since passed away. But I want you to know that Gloria just lived to tell people about Jesus. Lived to tell people, Jesus, Jesus became her life. One of the young ladies now is a missionary. The other one is married and has three children. So we had, so here's, here's what happened in our church. It was a public, it was a big public thing. And in our church, I had, I had some Christians get mad at me. And they said, <clears throat> they said, you shouldn't be doing this because people don't change like that. And I said, if they don't change, then we're all here in vain. If people don't change, Church, listen to me. Everybody can change. In any circumstance, in any situation, and in any hardship, people change because of the glory of God. Because God is the King. The Lord is our salvation. So, I'd like to give you an invitation now. Would you join me? Everybody online in our campus, as you bow your heads, close your eyes, say, Lord Jesus, today's the day. I give you my life. I surrender. Change me. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch all of our on-demand messages and live broadcasts at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. Also download our app. Just search for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store and you can be notified of all the upcoming events and watch our live streams there as well. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you at noon prayer every Wednesday at our Tampa campus and at our services next weekend.